Welcome to Dire Desires, life lessons from classic erotic thrillers. I'm Molly Weisenberg. I'm Matthew Amster Burton. And I'm Abby Circotella. Well, today's movie is called Sliver. It's Maybe from 1993. It. And it was directed by Philip Noyce. And I think we can all agree, Noyce Jones. <laughs> His name is Noyce, I miss that. Yes. Philip, Noyce. And I'm going to attempt to summarize this movie, but uh, there were some parts that I found very confusing. (laughs) So we'll see how it goes. I cannot wait to hear this summary because uh, uh, Ash and I could not figure out what actually happened in this movie. So take it away, so Matthew. My understanding is like this movie was heavily edited. Like like they you know they tested it. It did not test well. They redid a bunch of stuff, and now it doesn't make any sense. But it was still a successful movie. So Sharon Stone is uh, 35. She's divorced. She's a book editor, and she's moving into a new building in New York City. And the building is, I think, the Sliver. Yes. They never say sliver in the movie, do they? No, they they say the sliver building. Oh, okay. You see great. it on a headline. And oh, her great. name is her name is Carly Norris. Yes. Yeah, I did not really the character names did not stick with me at all, so I mostly will not be using them except for Zeke, which is a great name. <laughs> but even Carly Norris, they made a point to say her full name like a hundred times during this movie. Yep, still didn't still didn't sink in for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> no, every time I saw her like that's Sharon Stone. Everyone knows who Sharon Stone is. She, you know, Sharon Stone's moving into a new apartment. Of course this is news. The apartment manager shows her around and uh, at one point they're in the bathroom and Sharon Stone says, What a strange tub and the manager says i like tubs myself (laughs) (laughs) so i wanted so much more of this crazy apartment manager she Uh. was so much fun uh so she meets a whole bunch of people who live in the building uh including william baldwin or are we gonna call him william baldwin or billy baldwin or billy Billy. okay because i i feel like he's one of those actors who's gone through phases like sometimes i want to be william sometimes i want to be billy okay billy uh and he's zeke uh a video game developer or i think he says in the movie a computer video game developer which is maybe what you would say in the 90s Mm -hmm. i don't think so and tom berenger who is a uh, popular novelist writes like thriller novels jack Uh, langsford thank you and uh, gus who is a photography (laughs) professor i think He, he talks a lot about lenses oh god and cameras and camcorders he's a professor at nyu professor gus hale Yes, and uh, he's he's like getting ready for a business trip to to Japan to see the new cameras, which is I think supposed to be foreshadowing, but falls pretty flat. And Vida, who is a uh, model and escort, and it seems like every she keeps meeting people both inside and outside the building, but everybody she meets lives in her building. <laughs> And I guess that's just what it's like in New York. Everyone lives in the same building. Mm-hmm. Gus uh, tells Sharon Stone that the previous tenant of her apartment, Naomi, jumped or fell off the balcony. And at one point he says, so you like salacious gossip? <laughs> I thought Gus was adorable. Gus I wanted was, more Gus. Gus was very cute, but he was also very creepy at his introduction because he just oh, yeah. stalks her in a, like the market across the street. Right. And then he's like makes a big deal of like wanting to tell her the gossip. But then like, oh, I have to go to Japan now so i can't tell you until i get back (laughs) right so i didn't understand why he even met up with her to tell her anything at all well i think i mean i think the way he explained it is that sharon stone carly norris looks just (laughs) like naomi singer the previous tenant who died so that's why he is sort of like creepily following carly around because i think he is very unsubtly trying to figure out what the hell is going on like why is there a new version Version of of the dead woman moving into the same exactly. apartment. Exactly. Exactly. It can't possibly just be a coincidence. Nope. Definitely okay. right. not. Mm-hmm. Not in. Not um, in I, I forgot about that because later, like later, Sharon Stone like sees the picture of Naomi and is like, "Whoa, she like really looks like me." But I forgot that this was already mentioned at this point. So then we see that someone is watching Sharon Stone with a surveillance camera in her bathroom, and it's not just any surveillance camera. It can like move in, zoom in, and enhance. <laughs> And like someone is watching her masturbate in the tub. During which time she is like clinging to the side of the tub. I thought she was alternately looking like she's crying and and coming. It's very hard to tell. I was laughing so hard at this because (laughs) the creep watching her kept zooming in on 
the hand that she's not using yes. to touch herself, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> like, you are doing this creep thing all wrong. Wait, guys, the other thing that we oh, saw Arnie. her doing in her apartment was practicing her putting, yes. her oh, God. golf putting, yeah. in a t-shirt and socks. And that was the she, sexiest part of the movie, right? She's uh, she's terrible with a, with a golf club. But then when she finally, like, sinks it, they, you get this like close up of her face looking like ecstatic and she gives this like sigh of contentment. Oh, it was right, hot. Like, it was more satisfying than the orgasm she had in the previous <laughs> scene. It was. Well, it looked less like crying. Right. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of like upsetting crying. Uh, like yeah. mostly I thought this movie was just silly and not upsetting, but the parts where she was crying I didn't like at all. Hold on, guys. Wait a minute. There was another moment where we see her in her bathroom right after she moves into the apartment, and this is so confusing and it was never resolved for me. Is okay. she pregnant? Oh, you're what? right. She was like touching her stomach. She was looking so that the camera oh. zooms in on her like abdomen and she's lifted up her shirt and she's touching her abdomen while looking in the mirror. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't get that. I, I didn't think that she was pregnant. I just thought she was like saying like, you know, do I still have like the flat tummy that I, I did when I was in my 20s? <laughs> I think that she is supposed to be self-conscious of herself. Mm -hmm. And that's why later on, I'm sure you're going to get to the gym date and how obsessed she oh, is. Oh, yes. Because there's mirrors in the gym and how she really doesn't want there to be mirrors. They didn't really accomplish this well, but to establish that she was, you know, she looks so beautiful and cool, but inside she just has low self-esteem and doesn't think she's worth being looked at and then that changes obviously throughout the movie right. when she decides that she wants to look at herself and others okay okay that, yeah. i just i just cannot get over what a bad camera a camera like what a bad <laughs> scene that was because a woman never looks in the mirror stands sideways and touches her belly in that particular way unless she's pregnant okay now yeah, that makes sense abby do you no, I don't think so. I mean, I can understand looking in the mirror, standing sideways and like sort of looking at what you're seeing, but you don't usually put your hand on it like and look there's sad a baby and inside. Yeah. Yeah. L listeners, get in touch. Contact <laughs> at diredesirespodcast.com. Do, do you do that thing where you like palpate your abdomen? <laughs> And, and look at it like there's a human life in it. Right. Is there, What's there's in not. here exactly? <laughs> is, there, is it an alien? Right. Is it a sandwich? Um, so uh, Tom Berenger, the author, uh, surprises Sharon Stone in, I assumed it was Central Park, by like pretending to attack her. Yeah. Which he thinks is hilarious. And to her credit, like, I feel like if this had been like a nine and a half week, she would have been like, oh, that's so funny and so cute. But no, she was like <laughs> genuinely terrified, as she should be, and like not having it. So he, I didn't really get what his deal was exactly. But uh, me neither. He wanted, he wanted her to read his books. And was oh, convinced yes. that they were like works of genius that she just really <gasps> but loved, these, but she's the, playing coy. And the weird shit is that these books are already published. Yeah, so, I didn't and and they've been super successful. So why does he need, he doesn't have another book he's pitching. Why does he need this editor to read his already right. published bestsellers? Oh, I thought it was, I didn't think it was because she was an editor. I thought, it, well, I mean, maybe like just for the validation or maybe just like, you know, she's like the new hot woman moving into his building. And so, you know, she's got to read my book. Speaking as an author, I know what this is like. Wait, does she, wait, does he live in her building? Yeah. I yes. thought he just kept showing up. I mean, he no, did no. keep showing up, but he did yes. also live in her building. No, that oh. was the first time when like she met him because she met him like in a totally different context. But then, nope, he lives in the building too. Yeah. Oh, you're so right. Everything revolves around the sliver building. Right. Everyone you meet in New York, you, you later find out, lives somewhere in your building. <laughs> yeah. Remember, he, he like shows up at a lunch like with her and her boss, played yep. by Martin Landau. And he, his, his catchphrase is, you'll read me. Oh. You'll read like me. He, yeah. Like he kept saying, you know, like, you know, you haven't read my book yet. Oh, yeah. You'll read me. She'll read me. Which is a weird thing to say. There are a lot of lines in this movie that seemed oh like not quite English. Yeah, like almost there, but... Yeah, we'll, we'll get to those. So periodically, we're cutting back to the creep in his spy lair. And we don't know who the creep is yet, but we're going to find out very soon. And he has lots of TVs, like more TVs than Mickey Rourke had in nine and a half weeks. <laughs> uh, and at one point, we overhear a psychiatrist describing, uh, like on like on this creep cam, uh, he's <laughs> listening in on a psychiatrist describing a patient as having, quote, classic Jekyll and Hyde syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> I like, I don't have a copy of the DSM, but if I did, I'd be pulling it out like, oh, there it is. 
Jekyll and Hyde syndrome. Jekyll and Hyde syndrome. Classic. And then Gus turns up dead in his shower, and CCH Pounder, playing the police detective, is here to investigate. When we see poor old guy dead in the shower, I was like, oh, they're not going to find him for ages because he's supposed to be in Japan, because they've already established that he was supposed to be gone, right? But that didn't really matter at all. I thought... Yeah, I was confused about that. First of all, I mean, spoiler alert, Tom Berenger is the murderer. <laughs> did he kill Gus or did Gus just fall and die in his shower? I, I never understood that. I, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't understand anything about Gus Hale's death. I understand <laughs> nope, nothing about either. it. It's useless. Yeah. And um, they never they never return to it. I assumed maybe Zeke, who is the, the, the creep, like let the police know that Gus had died. Yeah, he says that at some point. Like, oh, okay. I saw him die in the shower. I'd, I'm the one who called the police. Right. Okay. So Sharon Stone goes to the library to browse the microfilm, the sexiest film, mm. and uh, <laughs> learns that her building was described in the newspaper as the horror high rise <laughs> because people are always dying there. Uh, and also sees a picture of Naomi, the previous tenant, who looks just like her. She's pretty and blonde. At this point, I don't remember exactly how it starts, but Sharon Stone starts hooking up with Billy Baldwin and like goes to his apartment, right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I, he comes yeah. to her uh, cocktail party. Right. Oh, she has like a housewarming party. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she goes to his place and he tells her that he loves volcanoes and he has this like weird glass volcano <laughs> sculpture. Oh my God. The, the le- and he had multiple of them, didn't he? He had one in like, I, I saw t- at least two of them. The You were panning through his apartment and I thought I saw two of them. Oh, I thought he had a very okay. mirrored apartment too. Yeah. Oh, it could have been a mirror, but I don't know. He also had a really weird fireplace that was like a it, box of fire. It was a villain's lair if I've it ever was. seen one. But wait a minute, guys. Then yeah. there was the part of it over by like the the creepy CC, you know, closed circuit camera room. Yeah. Where he had like a mega death poster and it, it looked like <laughs> yes. some sort of like it looked like some sort of like gamer's lair. He had yeah, all these or posters like, and oh, shit yeah. stacked up everywhere and computers. It was and very like college. Dorm like 1989. Yes, he had the uh, Jekyll and yeah. Hyde thing going on, guys. Maybe that's what it was. I think, maybe yeah. maybe he has classic Jekyll and Hyde center, a classic <laughs> presentation. <laughs> so, and he said, "Do you remember the line? What he says about the volcanoes?" No, I don't remember this line. No, oh, he says, "Someday I want to fly into a volcano." And she says, "Why? It sounds like fun." <laughs> I did not remember what? this line. That's the, that's the whole line. That's the whole line. Someday I want to fly into a volcano. It sounds like fun. I really and then think she just lets hot. this go. Oh my god! I really think that Billy well, thinks he's an improver yes. and just like made up these lines that were atrocious. She's like totally fine with him saying like I want to fly into a volcano. She's like, <laughs> okay, I'll still fuck you. <laughs> well, and then when they go to the gym, have they oh gone to the god. gym yet? Oh, we're getting there. Right? There's, oh, okay, yeah. okay, go ahead. Sorry, Sorry. I, I promise we'll get to the gym. So then okay. they have sex in his apartment. I found this sex scene like pretty good, but also there was one part that was really puzzling to me, uh, which was he's going down on her, but she's lying on her side. And I kept thinking like, how does that work exactly? Oh, have you not tried that? What? (laughs) Well, where you're lying on your side, you kind of have like one leg up. It's, It's difficult for me to get like relaxed that way. Okay, like, but it seemed very spontaneous. It didn't feel like her leg was even up. Right, it didn't seem like her leg, like it didn't, the geometry did not make sense to me. Well, wait, can I just tell you guys, I I was watching this movie with not only Ash, which is uh, the normal way I watch movies, but also with my mother. (laughs) Oh, how did she like the movie? Can we have her on as a guest? It was Mother's Day when we watched this movie. Oh, of course. I have to say, I think I blacked out during most of the sex scenes so that I could get through it with my mom. Because I don't remember him going down on her or her lying on her side. Well, it happened for like three seconds. I remember one part when she was, is this the scene when she was like astride him on like the floor? Yes, a little bit later, I think. And he was like propped up against something. I thought maybe he was on a chair. I could not tell. (laughs) The positions were just odd. And I just, I felt so uncomfortable watching her face having Because she was crying. Oh, this is the one where she looked like she was crying. Yeah, Yeah. she never looked like like she was enjoying it at any point, I didn't think. The music was also, um, it was like 80s, or I guess at this point, 90s, kind of like synthesizer sexy music. Oh, yes. I should also add, in addition to watching this with, with my mother... During that first sex scene, we could hear an owl hooting outside. (laughs) 
I thought you were going to say June was also with us. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. No. Anyway, this is what it's like to watch sexy movies at my house. Well, I mean, I'm glad the neighborhood owls can get into it. Yeah. I mean, this movie had more sex than some of the other movies, which is good. Yeah, it was well spread out, I thought. Yeah, it was. As we always want. <laughs> uh, I wish yeah, I there paid was paid like, more attention to it. A later part where like, like they were fucking up against a huge pillar in his oh, apartment, yes. and it seemed like she could not decide could not. where to put her hands. Yeah. And like that's awkward. all I could think about. <laughs> it, was it was so really awkward. awkward. <laughs> A lot of okay, like okay. weird hand movements in this movie. Okay, so uh, uh, Billy Baldwin reveals that he owns the building. Uh, <laughs> who cares? Uh, and then uh, Sharon Stone goes back to her apartment, and Tom Berenger has broken into her apartment and warns her that Billy Baldwin is fucked up. Tom Berenger thinks that Billy Baldwin murdered Naomi, the previous tenant. Oh, uh, no. But Sharon Stone ignores his warning, and uh, Billy Baldwin asks her out to dinner by saying, you want to go out for some truffles? Oh, my God, the truffles. Yes. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. Cut mm. to the truffle house. <laughs> <laughs> we just got the scene before Billy revealed in a very weird, creepy way that this is very important that he's the building owner yes. and that he yes. doesn't like to tell people about this. And then whenever Tom Berenger is in her apartment, I think the next scene later, he's like, did you know that he owns the building? Do you know how hard it was for the police to find that out? He oh, I do remember that. <laughs> And she was like, yeah, I, uh, he just told me. I, I was so angry at this line because I don't really think it's that hard to find out who owns buildings. Isn't that like... Well, he said he, he said they had like a lot of shell companies. I don't really know what a shell company is, but they get used as an excuse for a lot of things. So. Oh, my God. Okay. Cut to the truffle house. Okay. First of all, if someone said to you, you want to go out for some truffles, how would you feel about that invitation? Confused. Yeah. I think I would decline. And he, wait yeah. a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on, guys. I would decline. Good. But here Good is here's a part that we really need to make sure and emphasize, which is that right before this, she has received a package at her apartment, and in it is bra and underwear. Oh, it looks right. like maybe like oh. navy blue satin. Molly, I f I'm sorry. I forgot. I breezed right past the gym. This happens yeah, after did. the gym scene. We, we need to talk about the gym, right? So, the gym so is their first date. Yes. He said, meet me at 10 a.m. at the gym, and he promises there'll be no mirrors, but he lied. They walk yeah. in, and this gym is seriously as busy as, like, the most popular gym in, like, the the most populated part of New York City at the busiest time of any gym Oh, yeah. Day. Iron is being pumped nonstop. Uh, there are people everywhere in this gym. It is so busy. And you see Billy Baldwin on a piece of oh weight equipment doing something that mostly <laughs> just looks like he's fucking the weight equipment. It is oh, yeah, so for hard. Sure. I, I have a quote. Know. I have a yeah. quote from my mom who is uh, my mom has uh, my mom became a personal fitness trainer yeah. when I was a kid and she's been a Pilates instructor for more than 20 years my mother took a look at what he was doing on this weight equipment and she just said what the <laughs> hell is that <laughs> so that's, that's that machine is called the herniator it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looked like a torture device but yeah. he was like his face was blue steel it up he was admiring himself as he was doing these weights. Uh, he was thrust every time his leg came up and back his pelvis Ugh. thrust forward and making gross eye contact with poor carly Norris. oh yeah and then and then and then i think he says to her like do you want to try it like this machine and she's like no i couldn't which is the right answer because no one should use this machine <laughs> yeah <laughs> but then i think i think then actually he's actually showing her how to use a different machine and is pretty much fingering her at the gym kind of and he like, says that oh, she has a nice I mean ass and no one has ever told her that before her low self-esteem is played up a lot in this gym scene i think so yeah. she's looking to him for validation speaking of him uh like being all up on her in the Jim, did you notice that in the next sex scene they have which is in his apartment he like takes her jacket off he's walking behind her he lifts her jacket off of her shoulders and then he proceeds to follow her around the apartment from like six inches behind her uh, yes. for he many steps can you even imagine uh. being on a date with someone and you're in their apartment and they are following you around from like six inches behind you I felt like, you know, having seen Nine and a Half Weeks and wishing I hadn't, I felt like both Billy Baldwin and maybe the director were going for like trying to make him kind of a Mickey Rourke but like just didn't want to commit to him being that awful and so he was just like half-heartedly trying to be like a bad boy like controlling. Mm -hmm. Oh I just mm -hmm. thought he was so creepy constantly. Oh yeah. 
I um, felt ills at times just watching his you face. You felt ills? Ill. <laughs> I felt ills. Chills. Yes. <laughs> I felt chills and ills. <laughs> Abby was ill in. Anyway, so this brings Maybe. us back to the Truffle House, which we really still haven't talked about at all. Why are you calling it the Truffle House? Is that what you've named it? That's that's what I've named this restaurant because he oh. says you want to go out for some truffles, and then they immediately cut to a re- re- restaurant. And I assume, okay, this is the Truffle House. Oh, um, please tell everybody what happened. Okay, at the so, truffle so house. Molly, as you as you reminded us, he he sends her a, a bra and panties set. Abby, I was feeling so bad yeah. for you in this yeah. scene because he said panties please like stop. seventeen please times. Stop. Please stop. Um, <laughs> I hate but that word he, so much. He did. He did like the classic thing of like, "Are you wearing the the lingerie I sent you? Show me." And this guy at the next table, this old <laughs> man, like looks over, like <laughs> like a cartoon dog. <laughs> I fell over. <laughs> Everybody seems to be up in their business at this table. The French waiter, the bus boy, everybody is ogling what's happening. Even though I, don't I know, and I was like, "You guys, attention. this is the truffle house. This happens all the time. <laughs> Truffles just make everyone horny." Okay, so let's so let's get back to the plot, shall we? Uh, oh, so yeah. Tom Berenger kills Vida in the stairwell. I know that seems like it came out of nowhere when I said it in the summary, but it also came out of nowhere <laughs> in the movie. And Sharon Stone catches him red-handed in the process of murdering her neighbor yeah and i'm like okay cool we can wrap this movie up now because he's the murderer we're done nope there's lots of movie left mm-hmm. uh also she hears the murder being like happen right she's in her apartment vida is like six floors down in the stairwell because the electricity keeps going out she can't use the elevator and she hears right. vida scream the electrical wiring in this <laughs> building is fucking abysmal like I the think... lights are constantly going out so I think what they were trying to imply TVs. was, yeah, that it, that it was like either like the wiring job that Billy Baldwin did or like he's t- drawing too much power that like his his creep layer is uh, fucking up the building, the power in the building. He has too much that power. Was my guess. Yeah, I, he does. I wasn't picking that up at all. I was just picking up on they needed something to make these scenes to cue the fact that these scenes were going to get violent or right. spooky. And so what they decided to do was turn the lights out. Yeah. So Billy Baldwin uh, lets Sharon Stone into his creep lair, which is behind like a motorized sliding panel and says, I had it custom built in Osaka, cost me six million. And uh, at this point, I I, like paused and like because I had to write down a whole bunch of questions that were never (laughs) answered. And you had to vomit Uh, for a while and take stock of your life. What does it mean? What does he mean that he had it custom built in Osaka? Like the whole thing is installed in every room of an apartment building in New York. Did like a team from Osaka come over and build it? But that's not I custom think that built he in had Osaka. The whole building installed in pieces <laughs> in Osaka, yeah. brought it over in like a cargo ship, like and, a modular design. Yes, exactly. Okay, is that supposed to be a connection to Gus Hale, who was also up into cameras and camcorders, and also was going to Japan and like goes yes, there a all connection the that they never Exploded. connected. Yeah. Right. I I thought of that and I was like, well, the movie doesn't seem to care about the, that connection, <laughs> so, so I guess I won't either. Sharon. Stone does not like the creep lair at first, but she quickly changes her mind after they watch their own sex tape. And uh, I have to ask, do you think you would enjoy watching your own sex tape? Don't tell me if you've ever done it or not. No. I'm gonna, For me, the answer is no, because I don't want to watch myself. No. I don't think I would want to watch my own sex tape. No. I mean, I think part of the idea of sex is that you, you know, you kind of get to, to leave yourself for just a little I bit. I was wondering. I've been wondering what, what is, is the, the idea of sex? And I'm glad we have you here to, to I'm talk. I'm so glad. That's why I'm doing this podcast, so I can find out. Uh-huh. And here, in, in our final episode of this season, we finally find out the point of sex. Yes. On the other hand, like, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum if you do want to watch your own sex tape. That seems totally cool. Like, if you're, if you're that cool with yourself that you can enjoy that, hats yeah. off. Yeah, and I think that this was just like a character, like this was her arc, I guess, was to be comfortable with herself. Yes. And so she was finally, yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm I'm the the film buff of the group. And so I'm just trying to find the threads. And I think that's what they wanted to show. So uh, Sharon Stone goes back to her apartment. Tom Berenger is broken in again. He does this every day. Uh, and this time he pulls a gun and tells her to call Billy Baldwin. And then Billy Baldwin comes over and they all fight. And the gun goes off and Tom Berenger is killed. And somehow the movie still isn't over. Ugh. So Sharon Stone goes back to the lair, the creep lair, and sends Billy Baldwin out for food. And while he's gone, she finds tapes of Billy Baldwin having sex with Vida, having sex with Naomi, probably having sex with other tenants. The 
real estate he lady. Must? Wait, no. really? No, no, no. Oh. Well, <laughs> and he's and he's been saying the same thing <laughs> she to was all the of other them. That, right, he's like been saying the same thing to all of them that he said to her, which yes. is, you know, I love you. You smell like roses. Yes, he's obsessed with roses. The first time we meet Billy, he's wearing roses on a shirt, and he gives her like the whole room when he gives her the lingerie. How do you notice these things, Abby? Because it's a crazy shirt. I was like, why is he wearing like a little <laughs> child's shirt? He wears it twice. <laughs> And he um, gives her roses. Her whole apartment is filled with roses when she gets the lingerie. Yeah. Okay. It's like a nice. thing. And then later on, I think when when Tom Berenger talks about how his mom, who's a soap actress, which is responsible for all of his voyeurism, she she has a rose in all the pictures or something. There's something connecting roses with his mom. Wow. Okay. Great. <laughs> Oh, were we um, not were we not doing an analysis of this movie? I'm sorry. Okay, no, no. I, I think I'm getting a life lesson about you right here. Um, yeah, I, the only thing I was thinking about during the scene where she was like watching his other sex tapes is he must have an incredible filing system. And mm. like you know, uh, I my uh, wife at the show Lori is a uh, has a degree in library science, and like I know how hard cataloging is, and like he is killing it in the cataloging department because she can just pull this stuff right up including the tape of Tom Berenger killing Naomi. And so Billy Baldwin knew about it the whole time and didn't tell anyone and like let him get away with more murders, which is not cool. And so she uh, she takes Billy Baldwin's gun, which she found in his creep lair closet, and uh, shoots up the Osaka custom-made creep station <laughs> and tells Billy Baldwin to get a life. And that's the end of the movie. And then, she, no, she zaps him with the remote. She points the remote at him oh, and pushes yeah. oh, a bunch right, of buttons. Right. So as, the, as she so delivers that Lights line. up red. Yeah. So wait a minute, guys. I don't feel okay. like... I don't, I don't even know like where to begin. Clear. <laughs> okay. No, wait, what? Right. That, was a, that was a great summary. Was That, that really like ties up <laughs> no, everything. You absolutely summarized it beautifully. <laughs> Let's talk about how incomprehensible the movie was. No, so wait, guys. At the end, like when she points the remote at the screen and you see her pushing the buttons because the the red light at the end of the remote is lighting up and she says get a life is she like turning him off so to speak oh that's a really good question out of her life or is she like are you asking whether there's like a magical realism element that comes in at in the last second of the movie where it's it's a magic remote that can literally turn him off no i'm not is (laughs) is i think the answer is yes is Tom Berenger, the, the, so the author character, is he like a henchman for, for Zeke? Billy Baldwin? Like, has Billy Baldwin oh. just had him like off all of his girlfriends? But I don't know because he's also like not uh, not covering for Billy. He keeps blaming Billy for everything the whole time. He keeps saying he's a creeper. He's sick. So right. He's not. It doesn't seem henchman like. It's like who's I don't the know bad his motivation though. I don't understand who's the bad guy and why these two guys paths are crossing. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's one no, thing to have. They're both bad guys. They're both bad. But they do b- other things and they're not really connected except through the women, I think. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like a slice of life. You know, it's just like it's there's sliver, all kinds of interesting. Of it's a sliver of life. <laughs> what is the motivation of, of, of Tom Berenger to kill these women because they were sleeping with Billy Baldwin? I never established. No. Oh, wait, wait. I know what it is. They didn't read his book. Oh, maybe that's, that's actually what it was. Like he he gave them the book. He's like he kept asking, like you know, have you did you read me yet? And they're like, I'll get to it. It's on the nightstand. And like finally, he had had enough. Maybe he wanted all of the, these women because she also gets a telescope at some point. I don't know yes. if you mentioned that, but during the party, she's everybody's looking at the telescope and she sees Tom Berenger and Vida like exchanging money and being all creepy outside on the street at some point. But did then, we, did they, we ever understand that? I think. She was a she was a sex worker and and he was a client. Oh, I never got that. Was, that that was my impression. Okay, huh? I never so, got that vibe. but I don't know. How about some life lessons? We don't have to understand the movie <laughs> to take some valuable life lessons from it. Life lessons. Well, I, I I hate to break this to you. We're not going to understand this movie. I, I mean, okay. Abby, as like a, a, a professional film person, <laughs> understands the movie. And, yeah, and maybe someday we'll, ex- we'll explain it to us. But you and I are not going to be so lucky. Guys, this movie was brimming with, with lessons for me. But only some of them were life lessons. Okay. So before I begin the, the life lessons, did you guys notice in the opening credits that there is an actor in this movie named... CCH 
Pounder. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love CCH Pounder. She is one of my favorite actors. She she often plays like a like a police detective type character. She's been on oh, a whole bunch of TV oh, shows. She was the um, oh, was she the She was the police detective. Oh, she's yes. great. That's her name? Her name is CCH Pounder. It's it's short. Oh my God. It, I don't remember. I've I've looked up what her three first names are a bunch of times and I always forget because she's just CCH she, Pounder and she's wonderful. She's wonderful. She's been in so many things and now I feel bad for making fun of her name. Thanks a lot. Oh, I mean, I think we all clocked the name because it just seemed like it was going to fit an erotic thriller yeah. really well. And I mean, to be yeah. fair, I think I think she knows she has an interesting name or she wouldn't use it professionally. So True. Okay, guys, the first life lesson that I learned was from Tom Berenger's character, Jack Langsford, who is a novelist. And at one point he says, I'm a writer. People just tell me their secrets and I write them down. <laughs> Oh, good. And I just, I just realized that, like, all this time, guys, I've been doing it wrong. Uh, you gotta start over. That's so, right. When he, when he attacks her in the park, he says, "Tell me your secrets," and she's like, yes. "I don't have any secrets," and go away. Um, oh, you're anyway, right. I've been doing this wrong too. I've been doing it so wrong. I mean, here I've been like waiting until people died to tell their secrets. Like, I've got a whole bunch of stories that that I would like to write one day, but I'm waiting for some people to die. <laughs> oh, do you, wow. guys, so Matthew? Do you have any of those? <laughs> wow, I didn't I didn't think this is where this was going to go. I turn. But in um, general, when people tell me their secrets, I figure that I shouldn't write take, them down. I should Do just, you write them down and like put them in a lockbox? That seems like uh, a writerly thing to do. Just change their names, it's fine, right? When people tell me their secrets, I generally don't write them down and I don't write about them. Yeah, you're for sure doing this wrong. Like you need to <laughs> you need to like take a couple months worth of secrets and turn them into what seemed to be he seems to be right right like kind of Tom Clancy kind of thriller and blood. Like, uh, or a Lee Child type of uh, Jack Reacher kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And how do people's secrets help with that kind of book? I don't know. <laughs> it was one thing if he was a reporter or doing biographies because this James Dean book kept getting mentioned all the right. time. And he kept comparing his books to like this James Dean work. And I don't really know why. Guys, yeah. I actually have a, um, I, I can think of a secret that someone has shared with me that I would love to share on the air. Oh my God. Because okay. I'm, I'm going to write about it. Oh, I can't um, wait. One of our secrets. So June, June <laughs> recently turned to Ash and said, I have a secret. And Ash was like, oh, okay. Uh -huh. And June goes, I agree to disagree. <laughs> that was her secret. <laughs> that and did was Ash her say secret. like with what? <laughs> Just in yeah. life. Yeah. Anyway, so so you know, there's your writing prompt for the day. I agree <laughs> to disagree. You're welcome. That is lovely, June. Yeah. That's a great life motto. It is. It yeah. Is, right. Yeah. It is. Yeah, like um, if only if only Tom Berenger and Billy Baldwin could have just have agreed to disagree, we wouldn't have had all of this bloodshed. If only we knew oh, what they yeah. disagreed about. Not sure. Not women, because they all love the same three women. Right, that's true. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, there's my life lesson. Okay. Uh, find find secrets and write them down. Mm. I have a life lesson. If someone hacks into your work computer and deletes the document you were working on and then writes, I can still smell you, this is going to make you so happy and not furious at all. You're going to love it. I think it really what sealed it was the electronic rose. Like maybe she was pissed yes. until she saw that. Oh, another rose. I, I yes. missed this rose thing. I'm so upset with myself. Oh, God. So he many sent roses. her two roses, yeah. actually. And it okay. was electronic roses. Black and filled with thorns the first time. Yeah. Symbolism. Wow. Can you imagine if you were if you were like dating someone and you were like working on a document at work and they deleted the thing you were working on? Would you be like, oh, that is so cute. You know, Zeke. <laughs> oh, He's such a prankster. Yeah. I have a life lesson. Yeah. It kind of ties to one of Molly's life lessons in Disclosure, where everyone is always thinking about Michael Douglas, but in this one, mm -hmm. everyone is always thinking about Sharon Stone mm -hmm. constantly. Yes, and it just everyone. must be exhausting to be like young, hot, and blonde and like new because the old guy is obsessed with her. Her best friend is obsessed with her. This random author guy who also lives in her building is obsessed with her. The doorman is like every single person that she yes. encounters is obsessed with her. 
And she's just charmed by it the entire time. Yep. Her friend Judy at work. Um, oh my God, Judy I loved her. I loved Judy. Sufferable. Judy, at one point, they're walking down the hallway, sort of West Wing style, you know, yep. like walking and talking. Mm-hmm. And Judy says something like that she can tell that Sharon Stone has, quote unquote, been fucked mm. or like fucked her brains out or something. Yeah. And, and at one point, says, You've been having multiple orgasms, haven't you? She is obsessed with Pavarotti and Sharon she Seth's is. life. She is. Right. And she, at one point, she wants, yeah, she wants Sharon Stone to tell her everything about fucking Zeke. And she says, every little grunt, every little wiggle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's a that's a good lesson. Like, you know, we were trying to figure out earlier what the what what the point of sex is. It's <laughs> grunts and wiggles. Grunts and wiggles. <laughs> grunts and wiggles. Also, um, wait a minute, guys. Wait, yes, wait, yes, I, yes. I, Sorry, I have another life lesson that has to do with Judy. Oh, good. Okay. So I didn't realize that pencil is slang for penis. I was so puzzled by this. I'm so glad you're bringing this up. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to say the word pencil again without (laughs) thinking about this movie because, I mean, I'm constantly saying pencil to June. Like, can you get a pencil (laughs) in your notebook? And basically what I'm saying is, can you get Billy Baldwin's penis? But she describes it as a lead pencil. And I was trying to... a lead pencil. I'm I'm like, is this a term that people use that I just haven't heard before? As opposed to graphite? <laughs> What's a graphite I, kind of pencil then? But I mean, uh, I think lead, like a lead pencil, is just like what it's is what just what you call graphite because it's not really lead. But I think she was like meant lead, like you know, it's like hard, like a hard metal. But like pencil <laughs> sounds very skinny and so pokey. And Ooh, yeah, so and, and sharp. <laughs> anyway, and like, and pencils, you don't want a fat pencil. I mean, have you guys ever tried to hold one of those like oversized pencils? No, those are pencils? annoying. They're oh, yeah. terrible. So what done. is this metaphor of pencils? Like, I want a very skinny and sharp pencil, which is not how I want my people's penises. <laughs> that, yeah, that's fair. Speaking of like lines that people said where I was like, what are they talking about? There's a part where, where they like bring Tom Berenger to the police station for questioning, which like nothing really comes of it. First of all, the the cop says um, says to Tom Berenger, "You're a bit of a player, aren't you, with the ladies?" As if as if you're like a player. Like, what does that mean? And then uh, Tom Berenger like snaps ba- back at the guy by calling him a hump. Oh, and I was like, what hump? What's a hump? Uh, he was really, really pally with all these detectives. There were like sixteen detectives in the room with him, and they all were like treating him like best friends. He was. He I think it's because suspect. yeah, it's because he writes cop novels, and so and so like uh, he's probably like been in touch with them to like learn about cop stuff. I guess, but so he's arrested. They say later on that like he'll probably get out on bail, and so we know to expect him later. Right. And I don't, do they let people out on bail for murder charges? Like when they're caught red-handed at the scene, covered in blood? No, I don't uh, know. I get, I don't know. I mean, about law, he's a he's a he's a w- white guy with money, so yes. <laughs> oh, okay, there we go. Abby, do you have a life lesson? Yeah, I learned that I've been doing cocktail parties all wrong, and that oh. <laughs> at cocktail parties you should have all of your guests lined up, kind of like the servants of Downton Abbey, and just be introduced <laughs> to your new guests. All around every single time a new person comes in. Um, because I that's, mean, that's how... that is true. That's how you should do cocktail parties. But that's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say that at a cocktail party, you should have all your guests line up at the at the window to take a peek through your telescope to oh, see yes. your neighbors at, in the building across the way fucking. Yeah, that's step two. Once they're all introduced <laughs> okay. and friends, then you can all peer through the telescope. If I went to like a party at like my new neighbor's house and that's what was going on, I would feel really uncomfortable about that. Well, and the other thing is that Sharon Stone was so uninhibited as she was peering through the telescope with like all her friends around. She was sounding like she was having sex as she looked through there. She sounded so thrilled and turned on. And I was like, wow, you are really uninhibited with your friends. Well, Abby, that and when she was putting golf balls. Yeah. The telescope, I think people are really shocked at her her reaction to being so excited to watch, even though someone else yeah. screamed and drew attention to the people having sex across the way. And then everybody proceeds to declare that they also have telescopes and it's a perfectly normal <laughs> thing to have. Yeah, everybody, I mean, that was, that I was have a... a, a 
I, oh, that was one of the the uh, the the alternate life lessons I wrote down. Everybody has yeah. a telescope. I, yeah. I wish this telescope would have been the murder weapon when she killed Tom Berenger. Um, oh, that would have been great. During the whole fight, I was like, there's a perfectly great weapon right here. Just smash him yeah. over that. But of course, no. My next life lesson is that if you, I've, I used to live in New York City. So like, I, I know this from personal experience. There aren't a lot of people of color in New York City, but the ones you will mm. meet are the doorman, some street mm. musicians, and one police detective. Mm. Other other than that, it's basically it's white just, people all just, the way down. Mm-hmm. And they I just, just kept complaining about the doormen too. Yes! All the time. <laughs> like, this guy's just trying to do his job and like everyone's shitting on him and like like stiffing him on tips and like, what the fuck? Speaking yeah. of, of extremely disappointing um, racial dynamics, did you guys notice that Judy, the uh, the best friend at work, said that she thought that Pearl Jam was some sort of oriental sex oh, thing? yeah. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Judy, you yeah. disappoint us. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe she's got like like racist quips for, for all the popular bands of the time. Probably. I wonder what, yeah. what she could come up with for Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Well, Alice you know, it's like... I don't want to know. Um, yeah. Guys, guys, I have uh, another life lesson. Please. Basically, there are two different kinds of people who look at Sharon Stone's butt. Oh. There are the <laughs> wrong people. <laughs> And there are the right people. Because as Billy Baldwin says, you know, he when he is like fondling her basically in the gym, right? Yeah. He says something about like how nice her body is. Like, has anybody ever told you that or something? And she sort of smiles delightedly and says something flirtatious back. And then he compliments her butt specifically. He calls yep. it her butt. He doesn't even call it her ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you can't, he, you can't say ass at the gym. There's a sign no. on the wall. <laughs> they wanted to keep a PG rating. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, he comments that, you know, if, if she hasn't heard before that she has a nice ass, it's because, quote, the wrong people have been looking at your butt. Mm-hmm. So I just I didn't know that there were like right people to look at my butt and wrong people. But now I do. And I'm still trying to figure out who they are. I was going to say, do you, do you have like a list? Like you have your notebook <laughs> flipped open to like two pages and you've Stop got like looking. the good, good look. butt people, bad butt people list? Well, actually, wait a minute. Guys, yeah. last week, Ash and I, one night to entertain ourselves, we played the game <laughs> MASH. Oh, yeah, do you remember sure. that? Like with the, right? the, the, the little paper, foldy paper thing? Like a sleepover game. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> like where you, where you, um, one person is like taking, you know, writing things down and the other person is, is the one you're, you're figuring out MASH. Ash for so yeah. you know Ash asked me like three people that I would want to marry like three future spouses three places we would live three options for future spouses job etc so oh, I think yeah. that anybody oh I, and also I found out my future looks really great guys okay hmm. I'm not going to tell you who I'm married to because it's somebody in my community who's not oh. my actual spouse <laughs> will you tell us after we stop recording yeah okay great. but the person that I'm that I'm going to be married to is a man and um, um, I'll, I'll tell you that much. He is going to be a university professor. We're okay. going to have zero kids. I'm mm-hmm. going to be a gardener. <laughs> we're going to live on the outskirts of Santa Fe, and we're going to drive a camper van. Okay, Whoa. wait, 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 wait. Well, you are such a fucking tease because you didn't tell us whether you're going to live in a mansion, apartment, shack, or house. I guess that's a van. We're going to live in a house. Yeah, I was, guys, I was wondering whether van was one of the options. Guys, guys um, Ash is going to be married to Kate Blanchett, and they're going to oh, live yeah. in a shack. Oh, oh, that uh, sounds hot. Are you kidding right? me? Is this a new erotic thriller for next and season? Kate Blanchett is going to be a civil engineer. Ash, <laughs> oh, this is Ash getting is, better and better. She'll kill it. Ash oh, is going to be a drummer, like a pro tour drummer. <gasps> I can see that. And their mode of transportation is a hovercraft. Oh, great. <laughs> I want this movie this, for season two. This sounds two. like the hottest fucking movie I've ever heard of. <laughs> right? right? Anyway, but what I wanted to say is I think that like the the right people to have look at my butt, are. It, there's a lot of overlap there with the people who I would consider having be my future spouse. Okay. So I, I can't mean, share it, really. I, like, I am kind of wondering like whether whether I'm going to, which list I'm going to end up on having <laughs> seen it. So. Oh, I, you're the wrong people to look <laughs> oh, at my butt, Matt. damn it. Okay. Yeah, you're wrong. All right. Any other life lessons or observations we need to get to before putting putting a pin in sliver? I mean, there are just so many random things I have written down. Yeah, me um, too. 
when she's at the market with uh, the old guy stalking her, she's looking at like little kid juice boxes. And I thought that was just so weird. <laughs> I, I didn't notice I was like, that. Oh, is there going to be a kid? No, no kid. When Matthew was summarizing and, and talking about the truffle house, Matthew, did you like go all the way to describing what happened there? I mean, not no. only was he like, "Are Maybe you we need wearing to go into this?" Right, because the underwear. Then she reaches for her button and like to show him that she's wearing the bra, and that's when the old guy at the table next next to them goes. Uh, but then she she uh, he says, "What about the panties?" And he says, "Panties many no, times." Stop. And, and then and then she like leans down and like takes them off and hands them to him. And then he's at like the putting table. them on his face as the French waiter comes to take their order. Yeah. They are causing like, a scene. I like to imagine the list of props for Sharon Stone's character. It was like juice boxes, <laughs> yeah. satin underwear, golf balls, um, golf, balls golf club, <laughs> um, manuscript. Well, I mean, speaking of which, like when she moves into the apartment and there's like this scene where after like all her stuff has been moved in, she moves so much shit into this apartment. I was upset. I was like, this is like the pre-Marie Kondo era. Oh, yeah. Like you have too much stuff. It was like 15 lamps. Yes. I didn't understand why it was so hard to find out who owns the building. And it made me so mad because they brought oh, it up yeah. three different great. times. After Tom Berenger says, I bet your boyfriend didn't tell you that he owns the building. Did you? It took the police forever to find that out. In the next scene with Billy, he's like, found out that the police know I own the building today. How do you think they found that out? And she's like, what? Uh, right. I what? what <laughs> like, a, I don't care. This is very boring. <laughs> And B, I don't know. Uh, and like, who yeah. cares if you own the building? I mean, the other the other big thing that we haven't talked about is that like we we spent a lot of time in Billy Baldwin's creep lair with his hundred Osaka design televisions. And in every single apartment, in every room of every apartment in this building, something interesting is happening in all time mm. at all times. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, like, everyone in my building is home right now. Like, if we had a creep lair, we would not spot anything interesting 99.9% of the time. Like, I'm not doing anything interesting. I'm sitting in front of my computer recording a podcast. I'm not, you know, like, having a fight, having sex, breaking up, making up. I think he was Way just supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, there was just a lot of stuff happening all the time. But I guess it, I guess it was supposed to be that like life is so interesting. It's a soap opera for display, and mm -hmm. he does have. It's not. <laughs> I mean, this is a big building. There's probably fair. Yeah, it's like twenty-two floors. People. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. other yeah. thing is, I mean, I, I think another reason why they had to show that much going on. I mean, other than the fact that this is a movie, is like. What he was doing was so egregious, right? I mean, imagine oh, yeah. like starting to date someone and discovering they're spying not only on you, but on everyone in the building. There had to be this like moral yeah. um, seesaw yes. that was happening, you know? Because like he notices this poor young child who who's is being, being abused, molested right? by her stepfather. And so because of his surveillance, he's able to like call out the stepfather. And there's this scene that I don't think ever happened happens in real life where the stepfather yeah, comes to the, right. his stepdaughter and is like, I'm so sorry I did that to you. <sighs> Because he's been called out by Zeke? What the fuck? Right. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the movie wants us, the audience, to, like, flirt with the idea of, like, maybe it's not so bad if you have, like, a spy system set up in every room of this apartment building and you spend all day jerking off to this. Yeah. Right. Because Billy seems like he gets kind of off on this power of, like, oh, see how much good we're doing? Like, we should just rig the whole city like this. We can, like, basically be heroes. Right. And, like, it would almost be interesting if, like, the movie tried to go all the way with that idea and really tried to like force us to be sympathetic to that but it like gives up on that 10 oh, yeah. seconds well, later guys this we should write a novel based on this movie we've gotten everybody in the building to tell us their secrets without meaning to uh, right <laughs> right now we can write them down and become famous writers you mean you mean we're going to write the novelization of the movie sliver which i think was based on a novel oh, it, was. <laughs> it was okay great it was a novel by Ira Levin, I believe. Oh, I think wrote Rosemary's Baby. Oh, oh. gosh, that was far superior. Yeah, I'm yeah. not positive that's right, but it came to mind, so maybe it is. I mean, the basic okay. story here, I think, has some fun elements. Oh, for sure. I just don't think that they solved the mystery correctly 
or set it up with any kind of real suspense. And no. Billy Baldwin was so gross to look at and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. No, because like, Tom, Tom Berger basically like two thirds of the way through the movie raised his hands and be like, I'm the murderer. Hi. I mean, you kind of tell right away because the opening yes. scene is when Naomi gets pushed to her death. The guy is wearing a hoodie. And then later on when Tom Berger accosts Susan, or not Susan Sarandon, <laughs> Sharon Stone <laughs> in Central Park, he's also wearing a hoodie with sunglasses. And you're like, Oh, but oh, yeah, you're not right. telling me the murder right now, right? So I didn't. I, they were trying yeah, to give you a were. red herring, but no, they they told you who it was right away. All right, mm. wow, guys, Whew. I think we did it. Do we talk about erotic and thrilling, or no? Oh, oh God, <laughs> did we find this movie erotic? Absolutely not. There were there were moments for me. Th- this movie, I think, even if I hadn't watched it with my mom, <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> have found it very erotic. Ash also wanted me to remind all of us that uh, according to Esther Perel, Mm. the word erotic derives from, you know, of course, eros, which is like (laughs) Greek for life force or something. Mm. And I have to say that if erotic has anything to do with like uh, being life giving or life force, this movie was the opposite of that for me. I was so over it. By the time yeah. this movie was done, I was ready to just lie down and be gone it did, forever. It did feel like things kept happening that were fairly watchable because they were so dumb. And so I couldn't yes. wait to see what the next dumb thing was. So it didn't feel as torturous as some of the other ones. Same here. Like, I thought the sex scenes could have worked well for me if it had seemed like she was having fun. Yeah. She just seemed pained the whole time. Yeah. I don't know why. She just, what was the direction for her? Like, look like you hate everything that's happening, please. That's yeah. Didn't like that. But I do like volcanoes. And someday, <laughs> in fact, right now, we need to wrap this up because I'm going to go fly into one. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It sounds like fun. Never done it before. Um, I'll let you know how it goes. Were you guys thrilled by this movie? Not for a moment. I wanted to be so badly. I kept looking for thought behind the the action or the thrilling scenes like oh this is happening and it's tricking us but it was so basic everything was really basic it, it had a good story bones and they just didn't do anything enough with mm-hmm. it to, yeah, to it make had good story bones, bones. Yeah. yeah good bones Judy, my friend at work, is is constantly talking about story bones <laughs> but she means she means something else <laughs> <laughs> Visit Dire Desires on the web at diredesirespodcast.com and on Facebook at facebook.com slash diredesirespodcast. You can donate to our show at diredesirespodcast.com slash donate. Dire Desires is produced and edited by Abby Circatella. Music for the show is by Audio Nautics. Until next time, live erotically. <laughs> <laughs>